When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is James Mercer from The Shins. This is Shirley Manson. This is Low Tallest, co-founder of The Cure. This is Huey Lewis giving you the story behind the song. The story behind the song is back with an exciting second season. We peel back the layers on music's most iconic hits with legendary artists like The Killers, Heart, The B-52s, Violent Femmes, Jewel, Huey Lewis, Modern English, and more. To keep the music flowing, we'll be sprinkling in classic episodes from our archives between each new one. So check out the story behind the song wherever you get your podcast. I'm Lior Phillips, host of This Must Be The Gig. We're a weekly podcast that documents everything about the world of live music. Speaking with choreographers, costume and set designers, the people who run beloved venues and festivals, and, of course, speaking with musicians about that one gig that changed their lives. Get your peek behind the curtain at consequenceofsound.net, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Consequence Podcast Network. And welcome to another edition of Kyle Meredith with... It's an interview series presented by WFPK Independent Louisville at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound and the Consequence Podcast Network. We put out interviews uh, multiple times a week. And if you're not already a subscriber, I hope you do hit that subscribe button. Whether you're listening at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere else you get your favorite podcast from, you can subscribe. If you're already a subscriber, hey, thanks. Uh, glad to have you along. Uh, maybe uh, give us a high hello wherever you're listening from in the comments section uh, or the review section. Of course, you can also rate the series as well. I'm Kyle Meredith. Today's a very special episode. Uh, I have been talking with the band Dawes just about since uh, when they got started, which was 10 years ago. This year marks the 10th anniversary of the band Dawes. Last year, they released a brand new record called Passwords. And just a few weeks ago at the Forecastle Festival, I caught up with uh, Taylor Goldsmith once again to talk about the record. So I'm going to play that interview first. It's a, it's a shorty. So what I've decided to do is include the entire history, my history with Dawes. Uh, throughout the, the course of this episode, you're also going to hear uh, 2017's We're All Gonna Die, 2015's All Your Favorite Bands, 2013's Stories Don't End, uh, 2012's Nothing Is Wrong, and, uh, and we'll even get a little bonus interview for when Taylor Goldsmith uh, was in the band Middle Brother. But we're going to start with the present. Again, recorded at uh, Forecastle 2019 right here in Louisville, Kentucky. It's part one of Kyle Meredith with Dawes. Thanks for having me. No, man, it's so great. I know it's been, I I mean, you come to Louisville a lot, but it's been a minute now. Yeah, this is like probably the biggest window, uh, biggest gap between our Louisville visits. We noticed. Um, And and it's weird. I mean, we're on tour all the time too, so maybe for most bands, this would still be, this would still be kind of quick, but (laughs) (laughs) for Dawes, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So let's see what is going on because, you know, Passwords is a year old now. Yeah. Just had its first birthday. Yeah. Yeah, so so it's this is is this the between album spot? Is that where we are? Yeah, I mean like we're 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 visiting places we didn't um on the the, the actual record cycle. I mean, sometimes I wonder if it would behoove us professionally to just like stop for like 10 <laughs> minutes, but that's just never been the way we like to live our lives and be in a band. Um so we're we're kind of we're we're booked through the rest of this year and we 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 found a little bit of time to make a record, so we're all we're all ready to go to release the next one. I'm sure that won't be for a little while, but but yeah, we can't seem to calm down. Yeah, it's not the worst part though. Like the record's done or done yeah. or whatever, and, and and maybe it's going to be you know six nine months before it comes out. <laughs> yeah. So by the time you get to that, you're talking about something that yeah. you know is what a year and a half old. Yeah, which which hopefully like 
gives me a chance to to get a little get a little ahead yeah. to write a few more new songs for the one after that but <laughs> that never works out i always just end up waiting for this one to catch up and then i don't write a song for a year and that that's that's typically my rhythm it's been interesting because the last couple records it seems like you all have been in the reinvention you know adventurous stage right. you know trying out new things is that is that still you know this what's one, going on no this one, i mean well i think i like to think that every record there's aspects of it where we we try to push ourselves whether that's sonically or just as a songwriter or or the way that we play our instruments in a more fundamental sense whether that's guitar or drums or keyboards or bass um this one's a very live record this one's this one's uh probably this will be probably closest to something like all your favorite bands where it's just like us live in a room the vocals are all happening right on the floor um the solos everything is just kind of happening right there um so i'm excited for there to be another dawes record like that it's funny because like our like adventurous phases are trying new things like we never we never perceive them as such for us we go into every record with this mindset of let's do things that make us smile or make us feel excited and and on on certain records that means different things um it it doesn't hit us till after the fact that that oh this is going to be very different for people right. like for us it's always the same objective and maybe that sounds weird to say that after the fact but that's really that's really all that's ever going on yeah well it, you know it's it's also interesting because how long has Dell's been around now i mean ten. It's 10 years right yeah. 10 years yeah. and that's usually like a big moment for a band to try to figure out like yeah. what do we do now or something yeah. like that but I, I never got that sense that there's been like that uh, oh, oh no moments you know or that, that take pause yeah. moments yeah and I mean I think it's almost because of uh, it's been we, we've been we've been a smaller band I guess like we've never been this massive band and I think that's served us well in terms of our creative spirit mm-hmm. it's always made us feel like oh we, we gotta click it over we got we gotta get we gotta get to this hump and then get sell this many tickets and yada 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 and so it's it's kept us feeling really young like i feel like i i don't i don't know if we're perceived as such by by fans but i i always looked at us as like this the young band still the underdog that still isn't quite um graduated um and i love that you still look as young as when we first met <laughs> 10 years ago. Sweet. It's that L.A. sun right there. I know yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, I know what that does make it is uh, this gets to be a greatest hits tour. And I think that's, uh, yeah, that's exactly. the fun one for a fan. You know, for something yeah, like whenever this, we're so. not, like we're after a record cycle and, or before one, it's, it's less about uh, pushing a new album. It's, and it's more about uh, celebrating the whole catalog. Yeah. Taylor Goldsmith of Dawes. The uh, newest record, again, is called Passwords. As they work ahead to the next one there as well. And that interview recorded at the Forecastle Festival 2019 edition in the Tiny House studio for the Tiny House Sessions. Uh, There's also a video of that, which you can find on the WFPK Facebook page. Now, before this, uh, the previous time we had talked was in 2017, staying pretty much uh, on what ended up being our two-year rule. We have talked every two years since, uh, since we met. 2017, they had just released the record, We're All Gonna Die. And then the follow-up live album that came along with it, uh, We're All Gonna Live, or We're All Gonna Live, whichever way you'd prefer to say that. So it's part two of Kyle Meredith with Dawes. Hey, buddy. Hey, man. How's it going? I'm all right. How are you? I'm pretty good. Good to talk to you. It's been a little bit. Yeah, it sure has. I feel like the last time we were we were sitting down across from each other in the studio. We were, yeah. We did the on the. I guess that was the last record. In fact, I was was kind of uh, I was I was laughing as I went back and and just kind of skimmed it for what we were talking about then. And it was funny because back then, you and I were talking about dating and how you just didn't think that it was going to work out for you. Oh well, I guess I guess things have changed a little bit. Things have changed. <laughs> We're really excited to have Dawes back in Louisville, April twenty first. You're playing the Brown Theater. It's going to be good to have you guys back here behind yeah, a new, yeah, behind a new record um, that, of course, everyone loves saying on the air too. With "We're All Going to Die," you've made it really fun for the DJs. That's that's what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you 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 see it that way because some people were like, "Isn't that a tad morbid?" So. To us, it was always kind of, I mean, obviously, we don't want to downplay our own thing, something like mortality, but at the same time, it, it, I do feel like it has a certain ridiculousness to it that we hoped would make it fun. Yeah. Well, I, I've heard you talk about it in the other interviews about, you know, when you have that mantra, it sort of takes the pressure off, like the old adage of don't sweat the small things or, you know, yeah. something like that. Yeah, and that's so. really, it's, it's just a different way of, of saying that. I guess the most 
effective one for for my own trip. He's he's, he's trying to be mindful of that, especially when we do something as as sort of uh, that is impressionistic and lofty as making music. Uh, well, I, I've started using it just for everything. If I want to get out of a situation, any situation, you know, <laughs> yeah. just turn around and be like, you know what? We're all going to die. Right. So how can someone hold a grudge? Right. <laughs> I feel like uh, personally, though, it's it's probably taken on a new meaning with everything that's been happening uh, out around the world lately. And I know it's yeah. no means a political statement or anything, but again, kind of using it uh, in a new context. It's yeah, and it wasn't lost on us. I mean, the album came out uh, at the beginning of a pretty intense presidential election. So, uh, whether, no matter what side you sat on with all that, um, I feel like it. it uh, a phrase like that. Whether or not attached to music by Dawes or otherwise, uh, seemed to have a particular resonance uh, all throughout 2016. Well, I was kind of looking at it, and so a few weeks ago, I was talking with Guy Garvey from the band Elbow, and I'd mentioned how it seems like everybody I talk to is is writing some sort of either a political record or a reflective record or something like that, and he wasn't, and I said, oh, it's because you fell in love and you were in a love bubble. And so none of this has <laughs> penetrated you. And I, I, I was wondering, I was like, maybe it was sort of the same thing for you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I, I, that was a big part of my year last year. And, and, and in a way, even though, you know, I look at some of our records and, and, I'll, and they'll be like, you know, entire sides of, a, of an album or something that is, that's pretty close to dealing with the same thing. And, and I look at so many of my favorite albums, and while some are examples of that, like something like Blood on the Tracks, which seems very much like a record about a relationship falling apart, for the most part, my, I really like when a songwriter is able to uh, kind of cover more ground mm-hmm. and, um, and, dis- and, and discuss things beyond their, you know, their romantic life. Because then when they do go to that, it becomes that much more uh, heavy. Like a record like by a guy like Warren Zevon or John Prine, these guys that that can take these more global approaches or these these, these broader views, or talk about things that seem so, in some cases, off limits for songwriters, and then to be able to bring it back around to songs like you know French Inhaler or Far From Me, and then then you then I feel like your heart is thus like that much more broken. And so with We're All Gonna Die, despite it being a product of 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 feeling in love and, and and that being becoming a big part of my life that it's it's strange like it really it really uh shed a lot of light on what it means to be a writer there's that there's a, like a Philip Ross quote saying like you know don't marry a writer because they're they're voyeuristic and um indiscreet and that that applies for songwriters too and um I feel like anything that was happening in my life before my new relationship with with Mandy it was sort of a game <laughs> and it didn't matter who got hurt or who whose laundry got aired I mean I I tried to be fair uh minded when I would write these songs but but it would it, if something was going on in my personal life that for all for all I cared, it was going on in my musical life as well. Right. And then this was the first time where it's like, oh, I want to I wanna learn to be the kind of writer that can probe those depths and get to the bottom of things without putting myself on blast, without taking things that are sacred in my life and just sharing them, without, without, at least without me considering the reason for it. I think that's a big part of the whole writing trip that is something that I've tried to be mindful of as I've gotten older, where sometimes it's so easy to just pick up a guitar and talk about how bummed you are, or how she broke your heart or, or how you're a victim of something and, and then leave it at that. And that's going to work. That's going to, that's going to affect some people. Yeah. But I feel like to, to go to those places and then to offer something at the end of it, to try to, to try to say, and here's why I'm talking about this with you. That's that's the real. Those, those are the real badass. Uh, I mean, you've always been a great writer, and I know that's kind of one of the things for any creative person is after a while. You you know you want to strive for something else. I mean, you, nobody wants to get stagnant and to, to switch it up and find a new formula. Um, or at least a, a bit of a new direction of how to do it. Uh, you know, I know that's got to be part of the conversation. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's and, and also like a lot of people talk about these examples of artists doing that, and they say, uh, I feel, uh, you know, like whether it's the Stones going from you know early satisfaction type rock and roll songs all the way to you know 
some girls and tattoo you and, and or, or Paul Simon going from Simon and Garfunkel to Graceland or, or the Beatles doing what they did. I mean, it, a lot of it's not only common, but it's essential is the way I like to look at it mm-hmm. for an artist to continue to uh, challenge themselves or else they won't stay in the conversation. I yeah. feel like if Bob Dylan made those first four records and of uh, protest songs, more or less, and then continued to write in that same voice, and he was always he was always uh, having the acoustic guitar and the harmonica, and that was it. Then I feel like he would have gone the way of other amazing writers, like you know Phil Ox or something, where you don't really talk about them. But the fact that he was able to change his voice, change his approach, change the uh, the presentation, it it has kept him in the conversation for this long. And I'm not saying that like we now Dawes has found a way to to stay relevant. I don't really feel like we've ever been particularly <laughs> relevant, but, but I, but I feel like, uh, at least for us, at least for us to feel rejuvenated and fresh and excited, it requires us to not say that worked before. Let's just do it again. Mm-hmm. Cause I feel like that would like depress us very fast. And I know that's been a big part of the story on this record, too, is that it does have a different sound. And, and while I've also read that you guys didn't specifically go for the sound, you know, in the way it happened, uh, I, I guess that had to be on your mind, though, that you had to do something to shake it up. I guess, like, the things that were kind of, uh, that, that I, you know, I don't know, intentional is a weird word, but things that were, I guess, part of just the plan without us thinking it was going to create some drastically different results was more in the approach, you know, like I feel like after making All Your Favorite Bands, we had made this record that as close as we could, we represented what we can do on a stage as a band and how we interact, you know, whether it's the drums and the guitar during a guitar solo or the, or, or the way I play guitar and the way I sing at the same time. Like, like all this stuff was, was like, yeah, that's what we do. That's what we've always done. And we, this is our best. This, we've always wanted to really capture that in a recording. And this is the, be- this is the best we could have done at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of people ask, like, cool, so does that mean you're going to make records like this from now on? And the answer is, of course not. And so the same way that, that stories don't end led us to all your favorite bands without us, like, again, there was no, like, mission statement. It was really just like, oh, you know, like, playing the guitar while I sing the vocal sounds fun. I don't know if that's going to, like, come off as some philosophical shift for the band. That's just what I want to do. And with this one, you know, we had this new keyboardist, Lee Pardini, mm-hmm. and with the record that we made, I wrote these songs and sort of thought, you know, I, 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 I played a lot of guitar and it was a blast, and now I, it's exciting to kind of hold this acoustic guitar and see what the band does around it. And so certain songs ended up with really cool keyboard breaks or really cool, you know, string breaks in a song like We're All Gonna Die or just not no solo at all. And so uh, I feel like by me stepping back as a guitarist, it opened up the playing field to really featuring, the, uh, you know, the keyboards and the bass and, and elements of this band that have always been there, but maybe, <clears throat> maybe haven't gotten a chance to really present themselves. So, so I really dig that, that, uh, what, you know, what we're all going to die became and uh, became, it, it was organic. Yeah. And, you know, that's not to say that like, I listen to all of our records and, and <laughs> think like, I can't hear the difference. Of course they sound different to me, but like, you know, to me, uh, we're all going to die sounds different than anything that came before it the same way that, you know, nothing is wrong sounds different than any of our other records or all your favorite band sounds different than any of our other records. Mm-hmm. But I like to believe that rather than abandoning the identity that they've all kind of helped arrange and prop up, it's sort of embracing it and just trying to find another side of it. You see, here's so many stories of, of bands that like they hate their own music that they're that, or their own past as, as a band, and they and they won't play any of their uh, older material, and they only play the new record. Like that's really not the case with us. You know, we we still. Uh, I mean, obviously, we'd, we'd make changes on any of our records if given the chance. But uh, but we still love all of the music, and we love that it's sort of they're all representative of of what we do. And yeah. and, and and as time goes on, that that sort of identity kind of continues to expand. And there's so many great things to compliment on this record, too. I mean, the looseness, especially in the piano, which is a nice contrast because when you know, you're working with some electronic sounds like you guys did. You don't expect to have a looseness there, and you guys were able to balance that. And I love the way the piano plays with the bass on uh, less than five miles away, and and even how the title track is almost like a soft rock song, which is a perfect contradiction <laughs> to the title. You know? Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. That's really good. And then that was a big part of 
what we were going for. Like with with a, like you know this. I feel like this record was the first time where we've started to explore the relationship the of between the lyric and the uh, and the music itself. Mm-hmm. You know, certain decisions like having girls saying, "Oh man, can you picture it?" And they can potentially, depending on how you listen to it, can kind of create this sort of mocking tone. You know, it's it's not a coincidence that that's sung by women for for, for a song called "Picture of a Man." Where this guy is kind of going down this this road of like dis- discussing with himself what like how he feels about himself as a as a as a man in this world, yeah. and then a song like "We're All Gonna Die," like along with what you're saying, like we wanted to take we wanted to take this lyric and this title "We're All Gonna Die" and, and try to create the most beautiful track on the album, and 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 try to you know arrange it so by the end there's these strings and these, these melodies while there's the cascading vocal of all of us singing, we're all going to die over on top of each other. And the juxtaposition of that was something that was at the very least funny to us. Um, if not, you know, something more. Right. You, you brought up pictures of a man, picture of a man, uh, you know, that's sort of a theme that you played with along around on previous records too. Like this idea of manhood, you know, it's not the first time that you've went there and I was sort of curious about, you know, if that's, if that's been realized uh, with you as well. Um, that's a cool question. I mean, uh, yeah, like with certain songs, like, uh, coming back to a man or if I wanted someone mm-hmm. that was definitely a subject that I've gone to, I guess I've never really thought about it, but it's, but it's for sure the case. I mean, um, you know, even when I wrote a song like "If I Wanted Someone," I got nervous that it was going to come across the wrong way. If any, if that song's about anything, there's a line in the verse that says, uh, "While you lean into the echoes um, without raising a hand, like oh woman, help me see it like it is." Like mm-hmm. if anything, it's a it defers to a, a female perspective, and it's an admission of the how how. Uh, you know, these uh, bumbling guys can just kind of often fall short. And, and, and I don't know, at least in my case, like uh, the true spirit of female guidance is actually the, the key to feeling okay with everything. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and picture of a man is it, I guess it's, it is along those lines where it's, 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 you know, there's, I think there's such a funny duality to a man's kind of trip in this world where, there's it, it, it almost it, it, there's almost this unspoken requirement for this sort of bravado it, and, like the line what it means you know, to be a man it, that you've used before too like yeah yeah, yeah. I find and, that, and, yeah. But, but at the same time like the reality is we're riddled with insecurities and we probably have less of an idea as to what's going on than, than most people in the room and so <laughs> i think that i guess at least that's my own experience um so i i, I guess that that juxtaposition is something that I've always kind of wrestled with a little bit. Um, and yeah, I guess it's popping up yet again. <laughs> yeah. It's a cool theme. I don't know that a lot of people's tackling it the way you do. And I, I, I'll wrap up by saying that as a compliment to all of your songs, uh, you always take such a unique perspective on your storytelling that, you know, we can't help but sit and listen and pay attention. And I love it. And I love this record as much as I've loved Thanks, any man. of your records. Thank dude. you. So thank you. It was really great talking to you today. Again, Dawes, April 21st at the Brown Theater. I can't wait to see you guys here very soon. Yeah, man. I'm looking forward to seeing you. All right, dude. We'll take care, and we'll see you. All right. See you soon. All right. Bye. Once again, Taylor Goldsmith there talking about 2016's We're All Gonna Die, 2017's We're All Gonna Live live album, and then pushing right along. It was two years prior to that. All your favorite bands came out in 2015, and no sense giving too much uh, setup here. Part three. Kyle Meredith with Dawes. Dawes with the new record, all your favorite bands, uh, number four, record yep. number four. Yep. So now you're now now you're legitimate. That's what this is. You're legitimized. Right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's funny. I it's I I was actually thinking about that this the other day. How how um, you know, in any review or any sort of thing that I read, article about this record or about this band, um, they still talk about young band from L.A., mm-hmm. you know, new band from L.A., mm-hmm. and I really love that. Because I feel like a lot of bands on their fourth record or something, uh, you might be like, oh, yeah, well, then they've been around forever you or something. You can technically but. release a greatest hits after three records. Right. It's not advised, but some people do it. Yeah. You know, and, and what they, they always make the same mistake, by the way. They call it volume one. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're not having another one. That, that's yeah. it. If you're releasing a greatest hits after three, you're done. That's There's a reason why your label is pushing you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I think it's awesome that... that uh, 
people still see us as like the the young kids in the on the on the block, which is cool for it us. It is, I guess, an anomaly. I mean, that not every band gets that. Yeah, like when you think, and you know, great bands. You think of like Arcade Fire, or Band of Horses, or something, yeah. and they're three or four records deep. And 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 I realize their their level of success is is astronomical compared to ours. But but it, people are like, oh yeah, well, these are like. Well-established bands that are well into their careers, um, while and, you guys could technically still get best new artists at the Grammys, right? And I, I think that's so cool. <laughs> do you ever think of yourself, by the way, in, in the greatest hits sort of thing? Like, do you ever think of your catalog in, in that way? Like, I mean, of- I do in terms of like when you go see a Tom Petty set. Yeah, it's there's maybe like a deep cut or two, but you're but getting the jukebox. You're, you're getting the hits, yeah, right. and it's so satisfying. Yeah. Um, and I've and we, you know, we're not really a band with hits but we do have you know the 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 flagship songs of each record the three or four songs and um it's fun to just play those and then you know always rep whatever the new record is like on on our sets right now we have you know we're playing seven or eight songs from the new album and then almost the entire new album yeah which is almost the whole thing (laughs) um and then especially if you play the last song which makes up like a third of the right um but uh but the, yeah, and then we just do t- the two or three main songs from each of the rest of the records, and it just feels like a really good set. We're like, oh, this feels—I don't know if we would call it our best of or our greatest hits, yeah. but uh, but it's 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 really good to watch an audience respond right. to that. And then you have some bands like uh, like Sonic Youth who will basically only stick to the new record. Like thirty years in, they're still only playing the new record right. with like one song at the very end. <laughs> it's like such a different thing, right? Well, anyway, congratulations on this record because it's it's another great one. It's a beautiful record. The, the lyrics are outstanding. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how you can continuously do that uh, as a songwriter to to, to really. I, I was listening earlier, and and I realized you have so many words. Yeah, this is a lot of words sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I, I don't mean that like you know you're not you're not spitting rhymes or anything like right, that. Right. But but your uh, what do you call it? Your, your lexicon is <laughs> quite big for a song, you know, songwriter, I guess. Right. Yeah, I don't know what that is. I've always just it's always never felt done. I've always felt yeah. like I had to write more and more. And and um, and sometimes maybe you know I'm shooting myself in the foot like a song like somewhere along the way. Uh, it could have been easy enough to just write one chorus mm-hmm. and then be like, okay, that's the chorus. But instead, I, for some reason, I felt compelled to write a different chorus every time that lyric somewhere along the way came around. And I thought it made it better. I don't. It might just make it more chewy and 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 uh, challenging or something. I don't know. Um, or like on our third record, there's a song just beneath the surface that I just kept writing and writing and writing that eventually we decided we're going to cut this into two songs. And that's why it sort of bookends the record. But originally it was just one really long song. (laughs) Yeah. I I guess I I love that you do it that way. Uh, You know, the compliments there. Uh, Thanks. And and, and I heard this one friend, I guess, tell me at one point that uh, if you've only got one line to repeat over and over and over, you don't have much to say. And I don't think that's true for every example, because sometimes you're just trying to drive a point. Right. Right. But but when you're doing it kind of like this, it's you do have something to say. It's kind of proving that point. There's more to this story than just. Right. You know. Yeah. And that's always been one of the, my favorite things, not only about songwriting, but just about songs that I'm listening to yeah. is when a songwriter is able to bring you into a situation and then. Um, force you to look at it from a different perspective, you know, like any good work of art, um, right. where you're, where you have to, uh, oh wow, that's that's that could be a reality too, and that can be a, a a perspective as well. Um, and and then by the time you walk away from a situation, you're not just in, you're not just looking at from, you know, one person's shoes, but you're kind of uh, seeing a, a you know a, a bigger more universal experience right. and as a fan it gives us so much more to to dig into right you know, hopefully yeah to, just just <laughs> to keep coming out of that uh, did you guys I, I saw a picture did you guys go to the bahamas we did go for, to the bahamas uh, for rehearsals they weren't for rehearsals although okay. I, I wish that's <laughs> the kind of band that we were um <laughs> that's a great picture by yeah. the way here we are in front of our plane headed yeah to we, the bahamas. We, we we ended up playing someone's birthday some fan of the band that wanted okay. us to fly to his birthday and um and he put us on he chartered this plane and it, we'd never done anything like that yeah. um it was hilarious <laughs> but so we we and it was it in a way it was rehearsals it was one of the you know it was one of the last times we played a lot of these new songs before you know starting right. this tour right um but yeah it was great it was a good way to to kind of uh reset before heading out for a long time we all were on 
jet skis and jumping off cliffs and you know exactly what i want to hear about when you're like i I don't want to just hear that you flew down there and played a birthday party and then came home like i want to hear the rolling stones story and all of that stuff at the time we spent on the islands yeah it was it was it was very it was as you know as rock stars we could be but also uh i mean as uh, you know the operative phrase being as much as we could be uh, there was also a lot of just uh nba finals and sitting around (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but you, you, you can't miss it. Yeah, yeah, why, why exactly. Not? But I guess this whole thing is what I'm what I'm grasping is here. The whole setup for this one has been different, and it's been talked about about how you guys uh, did the pre production live in front of everyone, mm-hmm. and you took it around. But it's what what I see is the routine of routine when you're album number four, and it's all kind of set of how you do things, yeah. and this is the setup, and this is it seems like you guys pushing against that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think even if it's just for the sake of ourselves and our own experience doing this stuff you got to find ways to keep it interesting and to keep it keep it fresh i mean you know you look at these artists with these breakout albums and there's always some sort of narrative whether that's um within the context of the material or what if it's in the way a record was made or if something as simple as a producer chosen or a or a band member replaced or whatever those stories are um and for us you know if we just kind of uh did what we've always done and, you know, uh, churned out another record and, you know, gave, you know, guys like you and me nothing to talk about. It just would, it wouldn't, um, it just wouldn't be as exciting for us. And I, you know, cause people are going to say whatever they want to say about it, but for us to be able to say, yeah, we made this record this way, this record, this way, this record, this Mm way. Um, it just, it, it keeps each record with its own fingerprint with, with its own identity. And, um, you know, with stories don't end, we, we, um, consciously didn't play songs in front of people. Mm. And that, I really like how that informed what that record ended up being. And with this record, it was something where let's, let's make sure this record could stand up on its own two legs with just the four of us. Yeah. Um, uh, and so we went out on tour and played two weeks worth of shows in small towns in California to make sure that that was possible. And you know, that was a blast because Dave, our producer, Dave Rawlings, he came on the tour with us and he, um, he would stand out in the audience, kind of watch how people would react. Right. We would sound checks would be spent reworking stuff, um, and then after each show, we'd all kind of run backstage and kind of get back in the huddle. It was like having a coach, um, <laughs> and he and it was really cool because we would do little shifts here and there. Like, why don't you put the solo? after the bridge tonight right, right and then so we would do that and like okay that was that did this and then we would put it before the bridge and then all of a sudden we hear like woo and they're like oh wow people are responding maybe they don't even know why it's a different way to do songwriting right but there, yeah you know? it's, it's just like it's we, almost giving something up too it's like i'm, I'm, I'm kind of giving up a little bit of my craft yeah you know too. and i think that you have to eventually if you're gonna stay productive right. if you if you're gonna continue to put out material regularly you have to trust the material and you have to trust the way that it comes out of if I if if we were to get overly precious about it, we just wouldn't release that many records. Yeah. Um, and I know we only have four, but you know we're already we were already like seven songs into the next Looking, one, wow. at, at least in terms of like writing. And so that's it. I never get the sense, and and I'm sure it's complete perception that you take too much downtime. Yeah, not really. Like, I, and maybe it's because you know you had the new basement tapes, and that was in there. Uh, there was a Laura Marling line about her, why she took two years between records instead of her year and a half because she just mm-hmm. pumps them out there. And she's like, she she got in this her own routine where she would force herself to live so she could have something to write about. Right. But where when I look at you, it's like I don't even see where you have that time i don't see like you write a lot of love songs right more or less it's like when does he have the time to have relationships it's true actually i've been thinking about that myself <laughs> um but i do i i i think i mean i don't know I, I think that we've always felt most alive and most most happy when we're when we're touring i yeah. think um you know obviously we all a lot of the guys have have um you know beautiful girlfriends in their lives and and they're out on tour with us quite a bit and um i'm hoping to figure that out for myself someday who knows maybe not but uh it's a lot more pressure when you're the singer too it's like it's a lot more uh vetting uh, I would say. <laughs> and also you know it's just the simple thing of if we go home for two weeks these guys are such hard workers yeah. and they practice and everything, but you know, like their workload is a different thing. If we go home for two weeks for me and they would say the same thing, but it's like, okay, maybe I can get a song. Maybe I can get two songs. Right. Um, I don't know how to not work. Yeah. Um, I've always felt that way. Even if, even if I'm, um, 
told by you know all friends and family and people we work with like just take this month and do nothing yeah. just hang out with your friends and do nothing I'm, I'm still in the back of my head like what song could i write like what what could i get ready for this next thing it's just how i've always been wired what's that all the, the, the thing people say you get to love what you do and you get paid for it like you, you're going to be doing that regardless so that you have that passion you keep going but okay so with the way you write though and, and here you're talking about like i've got to get that whole personal life thing straightened out uh, where do you go when you're looking for those lyrics? Is it character based, or, um, or do you still find the time to have broken relationships throughout the year? That I you mean, can there go, was can... one. There was one that just really did a number on me, yeah. so I'm able to just. You got a few albums in that. Yeah, one. <laughs> yeah, sure did. <laughs> yeah, she she's a lot of songs, um, and and it's all good. We're pals and everything, yeah. but uh, but but so yeah, in a sense, a lot of it's personal, and in a lot of it's not. Like a lot of it's very much exaggerated, mm-hmm. like a song off the new record, like somewhere along the way. That's that's way far beyond anything I've ever experienced. That's it's uh, that 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 paints a picture of someone who I wouldn't want to spend any time around. Right. Um, although maybe would be fascinating for ten minutes. <laughs> um, but uh, so yeah, there's a lot of exaggeration. There's a lot of stuff that's not me, you mm-hmm. know, especially on earlier songs where, or like like a little bit of everything or something, or bear witness where it's just clearly not experiences I've had. Right. Um, and I think that that's at least for my trip as a songwriter, I think that's important to to chase down because um, you do look at a lot of songwriters that that use themselves as sort of a science project, and they sort of dig in and they just kind of figure out like where it really hurts and oh, then yeah. and then just try to draw that out just so they can have the art yeah and yeah. then you look at them after a, a lifetime's worth of a career and they're pretty beat up right um at, at their own hand you know and um and i don't like anybody else i don't want to have a job that's not gonna make me happy right. and and my job does make me really happy and i think that it's important for me to strike that balance of like yeah maybe it's not the most romantic story maybe i'm not some like some heartbroken drug addict that no, like but is... you, you bleed for your art by continuously working on it yeah not so much having to literally bleed for your art, right right you know? and you look at a lot of artists that that have have these careers where they've devoted themselves to this one thing yeah um and it's and it's so profound when looking back on it, like, you know, Woody Allen or something sure. like in a, if, if you were to just show someone one Woody Allen movie, although it can be one of the greatest movies you've ever seen, obviously, once you realize the body of work and the just the constant commitment, it doesn't matter that he might have just been some guy that like, you know, was, you know, not necessarily troubled or I don't know what his life was like. But if he was just some guy that was like, yeah, I like writing and I make these movies. It all, all that stuff is it doesn't matter because he has forty years worth of sure. of 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 movies. Some that he's people made. are just less human in that way. Yeah, like, you know, and, and I'm not discounting <laughs> his humanness or anything like that. But when you look at it from this side, it's like, yeah. And then I, I really like doing things too. I'm very passionate about things, but I don't think even my <laughs> highest passions will ever reach that level of being able yeah, to pull them off. That's you know? another. You have to. You you're. I don't know. You just live on a different yeah. planet when you're able to access creativity on such a regular basis. Makes just, me a little bit envious. <clears throat> oh yeah, and the, and there's a lot of people like that. Like when we did the basement tapes thing, that was something that I really witnessed in Elvis Costello. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all those guys are so puts it out like that. And, yeah, and, and so many different things. And like, like he has thirty something records. He, yeah. he has almost as many records as Bob Dylan. And his first one didn't come out till like twelve years right. after right. Dylan's first, or, or even more. I think yeah. um, he and and when we were working on some of those Dylan lyrics. Um, El, there would be some some pieces of paper where it'd just be two stanzas, and Elvis would like, "Oh, we need more weir- lyrics." And then I would kind of like take a drink of water and turn around, and Elvis would, and it'd be like <laughs> it'd be completed. And um, you ever just want to just give him the finger, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it was so crazy to to see, yeah. and that and then that was one of those like, "Oh, that's what the men from the boys looks like" moments, yeah, you right, know, right. Um, and. All those people that were involved in that are so creative. Uh, you just, you know, Jim. Everyone was just it can just music pours out of them. Oh, it's amazing. But with group. Elvis, yeah. there's just this other thing of like I've heard stories of when he said, "Oh, I want to make this record with this producer and this band." Um, and they said, "Cool. When do you want to start?" And like, "Oh, I I don't have any songs written." So what do you say? Two weeks. <laughs> so he's he, he can call upon it like the Woody Allen's, like yeah. whoever. Um, 
so fast and 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 that's that's i think the the dream at least for me to be able to get to that creative place where um you're the 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 there's so much material coming out of you and obviously you want it to be quality yeah. but uh but if you're writing that much i mean there's a rule of odds things that comes into it so yeah. if you're writing that much there's going to be gems mm-hmm. absolutely they're going to be there and then you can start looking at your greatest hits catalog yeah. you know yeah. and it all it all makes sense and then you go volume four right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i i did want to get one other take on uh on your experience with this so you worked with dave rawlings you had mentioned that um you did it in nashville mm-hmm how conscious are you of the two worlds of Nashville? And, and because what you guys play, whether you categorize it as Americana or folk rock or whatever it is, it, 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 that you can bridge it to country music. Mm-hmm. Like there is a bridge there. And, and here you are working in Nashville with a guy who is very un-Nashville right. in, in that sense. Right. You know, is, is there ever that, do you see that world as you're kind of interacting in it? And does it ever, when you look at that, do you go, how is that songwriting you right, know, right. versus what I'm doing? Right. Do you mean sort of like the, the, I'm the, talking the like the Vegas, Nashville. Like yeah. All of yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a bummer. And I mean, I'm not as familiar with that stuff as, um, a lot of other people that have lived there, like I've listened to interviews with, you know, Jason Isbell and stuff, yeah. and to hear him just kind of take those people out to task. Isbell ain't scared. Yeah, it's great, and it's so, and he's always dead on about yeah. it. And he's like, you know, but this person has some good songs. This person right. does not. <laughs> and and I, I've kind of always kept blinders on yeah. with uh, with that part of Nashville. I I don't. It's I don't you know I don't watch the Grammys. I can't I can't handle that. Um, I have learned a long time ago that the music that I make, that we make as Dawes, appeals to a, a, a small fraction of music fans. And we are so lucky at the, in this day and age to have one of them, let alone enough to stay on tour and put out records. Um, but if I start paying close attention to the top of the country charts and top, you know, and watching the Grammys, I'll just want to quit. Um, that, that is actually an Isbell line that says the more shitty music that li- you listen to, the more shitty music that you'll produce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just have to pretend that everyone still knows every word divisions of Joanna right. and that everyone, <laughs> that everyone still mem- sits at home memorizing songs of love and hate by Leonard Cohen. Yeah. I know that's not true, but that's, that's the kind of music fan that I want to be and that so that's the kind of music fan that i want to play to and i'm not going to cater to anything else and dave is very much like that dave is you know i mean you know you think of those records that him and gil made Mm -hmm. they're obviously not playing by anybody's rules Mm -hmm. except their own and so to be around a guy like that um was so good for us because you know i think we we it's i i realize that we are a hard band to to um to place in one particular category, which I guess is a good way to be, but it's not like, you know, we, we're not necessarily... It's all rock. Yeah, you know? it's rock it's and roll, rock. and that's how we yeah. describe it, but some people would say, like, uh, well, you know, like, maybe the indie kids would say, well, no, they're an Americana mm. band, they don't belong with us, and maybe the Americana kids would be like, no, no, they're not this, right, right. they're that. I don't know. But I do know that, that um, that, that you know, in, in, in those sorts of questions, it was really great to have a guy like Dave. I remember certain conversations where he would say... We are so lucky to not have to play the relevance game, mm-hmm. and you know G- Gillian and him are obvi- great examples of not being relevant. And and I and I am sure he would say the same thing. Yeah, years, and they're, yeah, they're 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 legendary yeah. in their way and for what they do, and um and they always will be. They yeah. cannot put out another record for another eight years, and it will be a, an event, yeah. and it will be great. And and if they were to try to, oh, well, this is popular now, maybe we should try to get that kind of guitar sound or that kind of keyboard sound or anything like that. I feel like that just wouldn't work for why we all love them. And, and you turn into Aerosmith. Right, right. Just trying to stay relevant. <laughs> right. And then you hear these, like, you know, you hear about you two complaining that no one likes Songs of Innocence. It's like, well, the fact that you're complaining about, Look like... what you did. Yeah. That's a whole other interview. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think that, that um, yeah. And so for us, I don't know what our next records are going to sound mm-hmm. like. I hope they all sound as, you know, different as they possibly can, but yeah. always natural to who we are. But I don't think we're ever going to play that game of... Of oh well, this is going on in contemporary music, so let's try to keep an eye on that as well. We've just never been good at that, nor do we want to be. Al Taylor, I think it's very important that that you're doing that. I think it's important that you live in a world where everybody knows every word. Divisions of Johanna, <laughs> and congratulations <laughs> on all your favorite bands, the new Dolls record. Right it's great to talk to you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah, all right.
And again, that one goes back to 2015's All Your Favorite Bands with a title track that has uh, become a fan-favorite classic. All right, two more years in the past. Head back to 2013 now. That's when Dawes released Stories Don't End, part four of Kyle Meredith with Dawes. It's the weekly feed live at South by Southwest in Austin, Texas. I'm Kyle Meredith, and standing next to me is the band Dawes. How about this, huh? So excited to see everything you guys have done. Album number three now, Stories Don't End. It's coming out very, very soon. Yep, April 9th. April 9th, right. Uh, and, and what a record. Well, we, I mean, I've only heard one song, and I can already say what a record because the sound is obviously bigger <laughs> and elsewhere. The one great thing that I've noticed so far is you guys have done this really great feat of being able to write road records without them sounding like road records. Because so many artists, you get your first album and then you head out on the road, and then the second album nobody can relate to because it's all about road records, you know? But, you know, time spent in Los Angeles was a bit like that, and now from a window seat even a, a little bit more. And how, how does that happen? Um, well, I guess, like, you know, I mean, we, I think like any band, we, we definitely try to um, make sure we're not repeating ourselves, you know, like like in terms of just what we're talking about, like there, there, there's times where we talk about California or talk about talk about the road, like my way back home or songs like that, where where eventually it's like that that might be an experience we're still in the thick of, but we try to like carve out different corners of it and figure out how to articulate that. Like from a window seat too, it's like we were we still are on a plane every. It feels like we're on an airplane like every. Uh, every week Um, and it's uh, I I think there's a really weird cosmic experience like on a plane where like I mean even if just you're flying into a town that you're familiar with and you're you're seeing the downtown you're seeing the you're seeing the outer limits of the town like all kind of in those last 15 minutes you see the supermarket you're familiar with I mean it's it's definitely a road song because it has to do traveling Um, but it also I feel like it's sort of you know, try to talk about it within our within our current experience, which is not really what it was um, when like those those classic road songs were written. You know, where it's like where it is a matter of like, well, we're all in the the back of a van without a cell phone, and we're just kind of uh, you know we're just going to see what this country has to offer. Now uh, I feel like it's a much more um, stimulating experience uh, in, in, in every sense of the word. So like now, being on an airplane, I feel like if you really let yourself go, it, you could really uh, uh, get caught up in it. You could really like blow your mind a little bit. Because you don't have that. You have road, you, you have lots of songs about the road, but not about the airplane. <laughs> as far as lyrics go, by the way, do you ever get in that point where you're thinking, oh God, are the words going to come? <laughs> Definitely. After, after our second record, Nothing Is Wrong, I didn't write a song for like 10 months. I mean, six of those months were like after the record was was the period between the record coming out and the and the record being finished. So, so we uh, we were just kind of focused on nothing is wrong for so long. But then finally, it kind of like you know when my head got above water, I was like, well, I haven't written a song in a long time. And so I definitely for a second was like, I hope I hope I write another one. Yeah. And and then uh, when it did, this was act, uh, from a window seat was actually the first song we wrote for the new album. And then that kind of dictated the direction of the rest. Well, let's see. The first record was uh, had themes of morality, mortality. <laughs> the second one was uh, more about uh, growing up and becoming that man. What's that? Because it seems like your digress- digression here is with childhood. But <laughs> I don't, I don't know. What's yeah, this this one I feel like more than anything, like every song ends up having this uh, thing to it. Of uh, it's it's not. As simple as I like it to be. Yeah. And each song kind of breaks down into that kind of mindset, I feel like. And you guys just went to Rwanda. We should have That's uh, The pictures are amazing. I can't imagine what that's like. What were you there for? We were there with a charity called Nothing But Nets, um, which is basically a charity that's fighting against malaria. Right. And um, we kind of got on board with them when we realized what a brutal killer malaria is around the world. And, um, and, and it was a really life-changing experience to, to see... Because we visited refugee camps, so not only were we learning about malaria as a disease, we were also learning about certain parts of Africa with, with so much injustice and so much uh, displacement on a profound level. It's really, uh, it'll it'll shake you up. And so now, you know, we're trying to 
somehow being by being expressive musicians yeah. trying to help out in whatever way we can. Do you get that point though where you get back and you're going, Oh, I was so inspired and I know that's gonna wear off at some point. I know the the regular, you know, routine is gonna hit back in. How do I keep that up? How, how do I keep that going? Uh yeah, I mean I mean it's definitely stuck with us and I feel like it's it's you know, I mean we we, we all of us here could talk about how uh, how cruel the world can be to a to to a group of people here and there, but but uh, it's it's a whole other thing when you're witnessing it firsthand and you're standing right in front of it. And that's something that I don't know I don't know if it's, it's possible to shake. I mean, yeah, we've already gotten into our we've gotten into our routines and like you know here we are at South by Southwest after visiting refugee camps. It's definitely quite a juxtaposition, but um, but I feel like that stayed with us. And um, you know, in terms of why we play music and, uh, and and who we can possibly help. I feel like that's now being shaped by experiences like that. Well, it's been a great uh, story to end. I cannot wait to hear the rest of this, guys. 2013's Stories Don't End, the subject matter there. But now we get to mix it up, actually, just a little bit. It was 2012 when I caught up with Dawes for the very first time. And unlike every single time afterwards, it wasn't Taylor Goldsmith. It was bassist Wiley Gelber. And we met backstage at Bonnaroo back in 2012. This was uh, right after their record Nothing Is Wrong had come out. Wiley and I got to talk about that LP, as well as Father John Misty, who had uh, just released his debut album at that time, Part 5 of Kyle Meredith with Dawes. How you doing? I'm well. This has kind of become a mainstay for you guys. Yeah, it's awesome. We're stoked to be back here. It's been, uh, it's not as hot as last year, so we're pretty excited about that. Right. Our van melted, like the battery melted last year, (laughs) broke down three times, we got pulled out by a tractor. Yeah. It was a wild one, but yeah. Well, yeah. at least you always remember Bonnaroo. Yeah, like you exactly. can play Coachella, yeah. and that's cool. But yeah. you know how this story. Our tour manager got a sunburn that lasted for like two weeks, three weeks, like purple <laughs> arm. It was great. Yeah, so cool. Well, you've had a big, uh, big year anyway. The record's doing great. The singles have been out there. Yeah. I mean, it, just to get to a point where you turn around and Dawes is kind of. It seems like you guys are everywhere for a minute. Yeah, so. we're trying, man. Staying yeah. super busy. Been working on a bunch of new songs getting those into the set here and there on this little tour mm-hmm. and then uh probably gonna go record it in like october wow yeah so it's i mean it seems like quick turnaround but you guys were i mean i, I guess the last record was kind of nearly done by the time like when my time comes was taken off and all yeah that, right totally yeah that 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 well the first record we did and it took so long and we didn't have a label we made it we went out on the road with it and so that one was around for like two and a half mm-hmm. years and we made the second one and now we're kind of like trying to get back on like the real cycle like you know every year year and a half try to put out a new one wow yeah and it's funny because a lot of bands are like two or three years two or three years and you're saying like every year you can actually do that i mean you look back at all like the dylan and the stones right it's like it's sometimes two a year you know what i mean Mm -hmm. if you could do it we'd love to but at this point we're on the road so much and it's like we really try to squeeze in that like month off to go record but it's funny you bring up those names because you've obviously been so embraced by the 70s artists you know, and, and that's become a thing for you guys, yeah, you know? Awesome, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you've heard it and heard it and heard it, but modern day the band, you know? It, yeah, yeah, it just yeah. keeps happening. But is there going to be more of those? Do you guys have more of those planned? Hopefully. I mean, we're doing more shows with Jackson. We're doing uh, Newport with him. Mm-hmm. So we'll be his band for that. And then otherwise, I mean, it's getting harder and harder just because we keep getting busy sure. on our own stuff. But, I mean, we're all, we always love to. It's like yeah. one of the joys of our life is like having been able to play with How all those guys. Yeah, awesome. so, yeah, it's crazy. Tell me about Father John Misty. I, I have fell in love with this record. Fear yeah. Fun blew me away, and I had no clue you were a part of it first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just going through it day and night, and suddenly I start reading the liner notes because they're fantastic. I mean, yeah, the just liner notes cover are art. crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's awesome. And there you are. Yeah, well, he's good. I mean, we did. I was like the assistant engineer, and then I played bass on uh, maybe like four or five of them. And he, mm-hmm. we did it with the same producer that did both of our records, Jonathan Wilson. Mm-hmm. Did it at his house, and I was just in town, so I got to hang out and do it. And I mean, it, the record sounds amazing. I think it sounds great. Taylor loves it. He like yeah. listens to it every day. You guys taking any dance move lessons from Tillman? I mean, not yet. I don't know if I'm ready for him. But yeah, he's yeah. a badass. Man. Well, he shows what he shows is lanky guys like us. Yeah, you know, can shouldn't still be afraid do of yeah, moving. We can yeah. still do it. Yeah, and, exactly. and as much as I want to say, like, I can't even do that by myself in front of a mirror. Yeah, that's amazing. He's good, man. Does he do that in the studio? Yeah, he's pretty Seriously. much what you see is what you get. He's he's the real deal, man. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so as far as your guys' new record, uh, is, is there a direction yet? Are you guys looking at it? Is this tried and true Dolls? I mean, we're trying to make sure that it gets to I mean, we don't want to keep putting out records that obviously are just like new batch of songs, mm-hmm. same records. Mm-hmm. So we're trying mm-hmm. to definitely like expand the, the horizons for ourselves, you know, and for what people want to hear, but still like maintain, you know, right. obviously the parts that people like about the band. But definitely try to like meld it a little bit more with uh, with like, the live show and like you know what I mean. It should be cool. Well, that's always been a thing too. It's like your live show and your albums have been 
That's two different speeds, but two different emotions yeah. usually, and, and it, it, it's always kind of been a curiosity. Could you guys do that on record? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, in the first record, it was a very conscious decision. Was like we were listening to like you know like all how you hear like an old Neil Young record, and it's so mellow and intimate, or like a band record like, right, right, like right. the Brown album, and it's so quiet. And then you watch the Last Waltz, and it's like a huge production, you know. And so at first we were like, that's you know that was like a thing that we were attracted to is like go hear the record in your room, listen to it, really get into the songs, and then go see it live, and it's like a performance, you right, know what I mean? Right. And then the second record, we tried to kind of split the difference, and then this one, I think, we'll probably even try to split it more so, you know? Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's been fun yeah, it watching you guys cool. grow this whole time, watching the world embrace you. Thanks, man. Uh, so good luck on 2012 and, yeah. uh, and your Bonnaroo set there. Right. Thanks All right, a lot. Cool. All right, see you around. All right, see you later. Cool. Back at Bonnaroo in 2012, talking about that record, Nothing Is Wrong, Wiley Gelber of Dawes right there. And then one more, one more to throw in here. This is sort of like a, an asterisk, a, a bonus. Now head back to 2011, just a year before that, nothing is wrong. Taylor and I had jumped on the phone not to talk about Dawes so much, but to talk about Middle Brother, a side project he had put together with Deer Ticks, John McCauley, and Delta Spirits, Matthew Logan Vasquez. Part six of Kyle Meredith with Dawes. And just from the start, the obvious spot, what was it that, uh, that brought you all together? It started with, uh, my, uh, well, me, me, Matt, and Delta Spirit. They took us. They took Dawes out on our first tour because we were all close friends from previous bands. Um, that was like that. That was kind of the, the us starting tours through them, and we always stayed close because of that. And then after that, a couple, like I guess, like six or seven months later, we went on tour with uh, Deer Tick. We didn't know them before, and uh, they were really awesome to us. And um, John and I had a. Uh, we got along we became close friends really quickly and um at the end of the tour he was like you know we should get together and make a record together I, I said sure but I didn't really think that it would happen because I feel like that stuff never happens uh, with that sort of thing like I think there's a lot of people that say like yeah we should totally get together and write some songs and, and record them but no one ever does so I just kind of put it out of mind and then a couple months later he called me and said um, so I took February off and I'm ready to do it and I want us to get together and, and uh, if you can come like let's let's do this Let's make this record, and so um, that was the beginning of that. And, and once I got there, Matt called me and was like, "Hey, I heard about your project with uh, John from Dutick. Um, I'm not doing anything this month, and I'd love to come and be a part of it. If that, like, if you guys want to, if you just want to do that." And I, so I told John, "I was like, well, uh, Matt, that's guess from Delta Spirit wants to come down and sing with us." And at the time, we didn't really know. At the time, like, we like, they hadn't been friends. They 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 never they never met really. Mm-hmm. But uh, John is a really nice guy, and John was just immediately like, uh, "Yeah, let's let's have him down here. I don't care. Like, let's see." And we didn't really know what the nature of it was going to be because we didn't know if we were going to get like four songs recorded or or no songs recorded, or you know, we didn't know what it was going to end up being. And so Matt got down there, and we didn't know if he was just going to be on like one or two songs, or if he was going to be involved in everything. And pretty immediately, we all just started like, you know, Matt and I had a history, but John and him really got along great too, and. And they uh, started after that. They uh, Matt was involved with every song, and that was that was kind of how we recorded them. And we ended up recording like twenty two songs. The writing process. I mean, you, you've got a lot of people in there. Did you did you come in with uh, prepared material, or did it really all happen organically? Um, a lot of this stuff just uh, like happened there. Like there were some songs, me me me, and uh, a million dollar bill, and thanks for nothing that were written there and, and more than that even there was also some stuff that that uh that like from previous stuff from the band like i know that like matt's songs like they were they were ideas that delta spirit hadn't really rounded out quite yet and then and then same with like daydreaming and daydreaming was a brand new song of john's like he hadn't played with deer tick yet and it just made more sense for the little brother thing than deer tick now, now, with it being uh, you know three three vocalists, did you guys have uh, trouble sorting things out? Was there you know any uh, process of actually stepping on each other's feet when you're trying to to figure it all out? Um, not really. I mean, like each song is sung by the guy that wrote it, pretty much. Other than like one song that I wrote called "Million Dollar Bill," where we all take a verse. Uh-huh. But uh, no, it was pretty. It was pretty simple. Like um, like we like everyone. We're all easygoing guys, and 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 um. Like if there's a song like oh here's the harmony parts like you know any any of us could sing like whatever notes like like uh, every, 
you know, it can sing high or low as necessary. So it's sort of like he'll sing the lead and like you want to take this harmony or this harmony and, and, and every, it just couldn't have gone more smoothly. Yeah. Um, and then we're also all playing the instruments like pretty much on all of it uh, other than drums. On drums is my brother Griffin Goldsmith from mm-hmm. Dawes. He flew in for, I think he was only there for like four days but he was able to get all the drums done in that fast. And um, otherwise like bass, piano, guitar, all the guitars is all um, the three of us. Now, now in my head, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm totally romanticizing this, this whole ordeal, but uh, knowing a little bit about uh, each of you and mostly about John, he, he's a good partier, John is. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> in my head, this is a Lost Weekend-style uh, Lennon Rolling Stones thing. <laughs> right, right. But you guys remember. I mean, it definitely it was funny because, like, cause, like, I, you know, in a very unexciting way, I'm, I'm kind of the exact opposite of that. Mm-hmm. So we had a really unique relationship, and, and we still do, and it's 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 like, the odd couple or something where like I couldn't be more in love with John he's one of my best friends one of my favorite people in the world and I know that we get along I know that he you know might feel the same but, um, but it is funny how like he'll come into town in LA or something or even when we were in Nashville making the record it's like like it'll get to be 2am and the bars are closing and like I fair amount to drink myself um, but he'll just be like, okay, we're too next, everybody. And it's like, geez, Louise, like, I have to go home. <laughs> so, like, we would, our schedules would often just, like, not match up because he'd be waking up in the middle of the afternoon and, like, I would have been up for five hours already. And so, like, it's, it, it, but once we started working together, it just couldn't be, it would, it just couldn't have gone more smoothly. So, uh, without having heard um, uh, any of the record besides the the single, and I, I haven't uh, let myself listen to the live clips yet, the direction, did you guys have any plan of a direction? You, you said you brought all of your songs in, uh, and with Me, 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 I mean, there's a, there's a bit of a, a throwback there, almost a retro thing going there. Uh, did there end up being um, a, a theme as far as the sound for the record that evolved? Um, I mean, like, not really, like, it, it was... It, when you hear the record, it's definitely like it has qualities of Dawes, Delta, and, and Deer Tick like that you can definitely point out. But it also um, it has like an immediacy. Like I think that with every single song, Me 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 being like you know the same going for Me Me Me, it's just that we played them in the um, um, like with the immediate with the immediate arrangement that came to mind. And a lot of like you know the little Richard yells and like stuff like that. Like like that's just, that's just like one guy was in the studio and he just sang it, and then we all just kind of went along with it and. And the drum parts and the guitar parts, like the piano part and stuff like that was all just like, like that song was recorded like, you know, for three hours one day uh, of the whole experience. So it wasn't like nothing was dwelled upon and everything was sort of committed to immediately and we just went with it. And that's how the whole record was made. And and I, I like to think that you can hear that on the whole record. Like when you listen to it, you're like, like, wow, this sounds like these guys are like, you know, playing the song for the first time because it's actually what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to tour too. You're going to tour behind this, and it looks like you're matching yourselves up with your uh, your day job bands as well. Yeah, yeah, and that was kind of the whole purpose for the, the whole project. Because like um, the reality of it is, uh, you know, we're not established as the guys that might make up other like combination groups, like uh, or collaborative groups, like you know, Broken Bells or Monsters of Folk. Like mm-hmm. I feel like we're all the young guys that 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 haven't sold as many records as those guys. So when you're in a situation like that. I think it it it, we, it could be a little bit like we can't afford to take time off from from uh, you know the the dogs and deer ticks the same way Jim James might be able to afford taking a, you know a, a significant amount of time off from my morning jacket because he knows the fans will be there when he gets back but that wouldn't be the case for us young bands you know mm-hmm. and so with with this like from the very beginning it was like this is for dogs and deer tick and Delta Spirit like this is this is this the the purpose of this is to help us. And if it and if it does if it doesn't do that if it like overshadows it or anything like that then 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 the the idea of the project like is backfired like we, we and so we, along that line of thinking we were like if if that's what this is for and if Middle Brother isn't isn't really like a, a a band necessarily but more of just like a record that was made amongst friends we want to make sure that we get to put our best foot forward and and, and you know if a bunch of Deer Tick fans are coming because. They know that John's a part of this, or or a bunch of uh, uh, Delta fans are coming because you know Matt's a part of it. We also want to make sure that people know what we really do, and we really put all our time towards, which is you know our individual bands, rather than have just a little brother tour where we have to take time off from our respective bands. We figure like, why don't we all just go out together? So you you get your stamina up though, because you're gonna. This means you're gonna be doing two sets per night, right? Oh yeah, which <laughs> which isn't actually like. Uh, 
about noon for us. Like we we uh, we, we we went out with uh, Jason Bozell and we were his backing band, and we're about to go out with John and Corn Dogs, and we're going to be his backing band. Like we love bringing out guys that we can also play with. And mm-hmm. it was like when we when we first found out about the first found out about the Middle Brother tour, I half jokingly, but also if they would let me, I would definitely do it. I told uh, Matt and I told the Beer Tick guys, I was like, if you let me play, like if you just say the word, I'll play play guitar in your whole set and. I just won't leave the stage all night. <laughs> uh, I know you're only halfway through the experience now, but could you see yourself doing this again, though? Uh, I mean, um, could there be a future for Middle Brother, or is this just that one-time thing? Well, I mean, I love Matt and John, and I'd love to I'd love to do it again. I mean, we have no plans to do it because we all have, like, other stuff coming up, but I'm really proud of the work that we did, and, and um, it couldn't have been an easier process in terms of making the record. It really came along at a good time for me, with Dawes, because like we just really were, we were free and we were able to, and now like I, I, I haven't, like, I don't see another month like that being available mm-hmm. for, for a, a second. But, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'm excited to see how the tour goes, and I'm excited to see how, you know, people respond to it, and and you know, I'd love to continue making music with those guys. Well, I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of the Middle Brother record. I'm definitely looking forward to hearing the the next Dawes record. Um, Thanks. All right, man. Well, thanks so much, and uh, yeah, good luck out there. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. All right, bye. Taylor Goldsmith back in 2011 talking about that uh, self-titled Middle Brother album. And that does it. I I have no more Taylor Goldsmith interviews in the tank that I'm aware of, unless I missed one. I think that's all of them. (laughs) That's enough for today, just the same. Thanks to Taylor and all of Dawes and Middle Brother as well for all the years of, uh, of interviews so far. Here's to 10 more. And hey, before you get out of here, you've made it this far. If you're not already a subscriber, you've got no excuses. Hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening from right now, wherever you get your favorite podcasts from. That includes iTunes and Apple Podcasts and Spotify and YouTube. You can do it over there as well. And then head over to WFPK.org where I do a show every Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. Eastern, where you can hear the brand new songs, you can hear anniversary celebrations, clips from these interviews, music news, and a whole lot more. That's at WFPK.org. Consequence of Sound has your music and film news. You can also find me at Twitter, at Kyle Meredith, and Facebook, slash Kyle Meredith. And that does it for another edition. I'm Kyle Meredith. I'll see you next time. Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.